Uh, our reading this evening is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 6 to 16, and you can find it in page 1193 of your Pew Bibles. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will see both yourself and your hearers. Amen. Well, at this point in our service, let me encourage you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be looking at what the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to his ministry apprentice Timothy for a few moments this evening. Uh, as you're turning to 1 Timothy 4, let me say that it's great to be here tonight. And thank you to everyone who's been involved in the service so far. My name is Stephen, and I'm the minister in Bucknaw Presbyterian Church. I've been there for just over five years now. Before moving to Bucknaw, I was the assistant in Hill Street Presbyterian Church in Lurgan, and I'm originally from a little place called Bestbrook in South Armagh. As you're turning to 1 Timothy 4, let's pray for a moment together. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would help us to understand it as we look at it together this evening. We pray that you would come by your Spirit, that you would help us all to think of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and to understand your call on our lives. We thank you for the service so far, and we thank you for calling Matthew into your service, and we pray that you would especially speak to him through this passage as well. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As I've said, it's great to be here this evening, and uh, tonight is a significant night for Matthew, and it's a significant evening for you, Matthew, on a number of different levels. Uh, first of all, this is another step for you on the road to ordained ministry within PCI. I know from being involved in your exit interview from Union College that you've had a positive experience in terms of ministry training. Uh, not only has your experience been positive, but you have had a positive influence on others as well. Uh, within the life of Union College, uh, members of staff have spoken highly of you, uh, very warmly about you, and that is really, really encouraging. Uh, following your graduation and this service of licensing, the next step for you 
is a full-time assistantship in Ballyclare and some practical experience of gospel ministry. Uh, as well as that, tonight is a significant for night, uh, night for, for you uh, in that you and Hannah are saying goodbye to the church family in Wellington. Uh, you probably haven't been about an awful lot recently because of your part-time placements, uh, but tonight is sort of your formal goodbye. Uh, you'll be able to drop in now and again, I'm sure, in the future, but this is the point of departure in terms of active involvement in Wellington. But tonight's also si significant for you because it's one of only two occasions when you will have a sermon preach directly and specifically at you in the context of worship. You've been taught and instructed in theological matters at your time at Union, but tonight my responsibility is to preach the charge to you, the licentiate. Uh, that hopefully gives us all a sense of the weight of what it is we're doing here tonight. Uh, for a lot of us, we might be thinking that the service tonight has been a little bit strange and a little bit more formal than an ordinary evening service. Uh, and, that's, um, what's, and that what's happening is, is really quite removed from us. But tonight is very significant in spiritual terms for Matthew. Licensing is one of only two occasions when the sermon is specifically for him. Uh, there's something for us all, though, and hopefully that will be clear uh, as we work through the passage in front of us. Uh, the title I've given this sermon, this charge for Matthew, is How to Be a Good Minister. Uh, that's essentially what Paul is writing about in 1 Timothy chapter 4, how Timothy, his young colleague, can serve faithfully and be a good minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Timothy is a part of a group of three New Testament letters commonly known as the pastoral epistles. Uh, the pastorals are among the most helpful letters when it comes to what the church is to do and what the church is to focus on and how the church is to order itself. Uh, the three letters were written by the apostle Paul, Two were written directly to Timothy, and one is written to another gospel minister called Titus. Uh, at the time of writing, Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, uh, and the big challenge that was facing Timothy was that he was young and people were difficult. Paul had known him for a long time, since he was a child or a teenager. Now he's about 30, and he's the solo pastor in a relatively big church. False teaching was one of the most significant problems Timothy was facing. It had crept into Ephesus, and we get the sense that along with everything else that he was going through, Timothy would just rather be somewhere else. And it's in that context that Paul writes about how to be a good minister of Christ Jesus in an attempt to encourage Timothy to persevere in ministry. What Paul writes is also helpful for us over 2,000 years later. Matthew, Paul's instructions to Timothy apply specifically to you on this significant occasion. How are you going to be a good minister? Well, there are three things for you to see in this passage. To be a good minister, you're to train yourself to be godly, devote yourself to the Word of God, and balance yourself in life and ministry. There's probably nothing new there for you, but it's good to be reminded of the priorities gospel ministers are, are, are to have as they set out, as they're set out for us in the Bible. Uh, we're we're going to take each of those points in turn this evening. Uh, this charge is specifically for Matthew, but what, what, one of the things I hope we'll see and all take away is that there are things that we're all to strive after as we live for the Lord Jesus in this world, and we're going to flesh that out as we go along. First, first of all then, to be a good minister, Matthew, you're to train yourself to be godly. Just look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. 
For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The the flow of Paul's thought as we jump into verse six is that some people will abandon the faith because of false teaching. That's sketched out for us in verses one to five of chapter four. In light of that warning, Paul tells Timothy to forget about bad doctrine, to reject it, to ignore it, and to nourish his soul on good gospel doctrine. And as he does that, Timothy is to train himself to be godly. Paul tells Timothy that he is to do some exercise. Uh, The language Paul uses here takes us to the gym on a Monday morning, people running on treadmills, people lifting weights, people pushing hard on the rowing machine. Uh, I know from speaking to you recently, Matthew, that you've dabbled in some running over the years. Um, I'm a bit of a runner too, although I'm quite inconsistent. In talking about training here, Paul is saying, keep at it. Even when your muscles are burning, even when it feels like your heart is going to jump out of your chest, keep on going. Keep seeking to develop Christ-like character. Uh, You don't need me to tell you that godliness is a key characteristic for ministers. It's really interesting that this is what Paul focuses on as he writes to Timothy. He's, He's struggling in Ephesus because he's young and people are difficult. Paul could have given him some leadership tips, how to affect change, how to deal with conflict, but instead he writes about the importance of personal godliness. It's very striking. It makes sense, though, because of what Paul writes in verse 8. He says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The comparison Paul makes here is between physical training and training in godliness. It's good to be fit and healthy, we all know that, but because our bodies will one day fade and perish, what matters most is our inner character, our inner godliness. Personal holiness is valuable now, but it'll also be valuable in eternity. What will the results of striving after personal godliness be? Why is it worth training yourself in this way? Well, Paul tells us in verse 12. He says, "Don't don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. As a consequence of training yourself to be godly, you will be an example to others. And in a sense, that is one of the most important parts of what it means to be a minister. You will be an example to others of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. People will watch you, when you uh, watch how you react when your leadership is challenged. Your words and the way you speak from the pulpit and in personal interactions will be noticed. If you train yourself to be godly, if you, if you chase after the things of God, you'll be an example to other believers. The, the reverse is also true. You can be a bad example as a minister. It's very easy, especially early in ministry, to become defensive or pull rank, to pull the I'm the minister card on people. But Paul says, train yourself to be godly. Walk with Christ. Get, give yourself to the spiritual discipl- disciplines of, of Bible reading and prayer. Godliness is a key characteristic for ministers. What's going on in our inner lives will have a direct and lasting effect on the people we're called to lead. Uh, Matthew, in your recent exit interview from UTC, uh, you mentioned that Hannah had been involved in some work with a Formula One team. Uh, don't worry, Hannah, he didn't reveal any engine prototypes or important secrets. But both of you will know that even if an F1 car is in pristine condition as it's wheeled onto the track, if things aren't right under the hood, under the bonnet, 
then the car will be useless when it comes to the race. If the engine isn't finely tuned, if there are issues with the gearbox, the race will be a disaster. It's the same when it comes to the character of a minister. Things might look good on the outside, but if there's no inner walk with Christ, no, no personal study of the word, no training in godliness, eventually it'll be a disaster. I, I know what we're talking about here isn't legalism, it's discipline, and that's different to legalism. The, the, the legalistic heart says, I will do this thing to gain merit with God so that God will accept me. The disciplined, godly heart says, I will do this thing because I love God and I want to please him. To be a good minister, Matthew, you're to train yourself to be godly. Secondly, you're to devote yourself to the word of God. Just look at verses 13 and 14. Paul says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. There's a sense in which you can understand what Paul says to Timothy on two different levels. First, he's saying that he must devote himself to reading the Bible himself. That's how he's going to grow in godliness through direct and consistent engagement with the word of God. But secondly, Paul is giving Timothy his job description in, plain, in its plainest terms. Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. This is a key text for us when it comes to understanding the work of a pastor. The public reading of scripture is something that is dotted throughout the Old Testament. In Ezra and Nehemiah, we read of men and women of Israel reading the Bible in a public setting. Uh, the early Christian church adopted the practice of, of, a, of a reading from the Old Testament in their worship services, and they also added to it readings from the apostles' letters and the gospels. That, that, that meant that the, that, that the apostolic church put the apostles' writing on the same level as the Old Testament. The early church had two public readings, one from the Old Testament and one from what we now know as the New Testament. The overall effect of those two readings was that on the one hand, it emphasized the unity of the Bible. It emphasized that the Old Testament and the New Testament sing one story of how God has worked to save us. On the other hand, it meant that the authority of the preaching that followed came from the Bible itself. According to Paul, after the reading of scripture, there is to be preaching and teaching. John Stott, the great Bible expositor, explains it in this way. He says, it was taken for granted from the beginning that Christian preaching would be expository preaching. That is, that all Christian instruction and exhortation would be drawn out of the passage which had been read. Biblical exposition was the norm in the early church. Therefore, anything that doesn't guide a congregation through the scripture is a departure from apostolic practice. There's nothing more disappointing for a gathered church family than for a minister to read a passage from the Bible, but never to allude to the passage when it comes to the sermon. The, the, the logic of what Paul writes here is that when you read the Bible in worship, preach and teach the passage you've read. Now, there are nuances that you'll have picked up in your time at Union, but the, Paul's underlying message is simple. Devote yourself to the word of God. One of the challenges of ministry in the modern world is that there are so many other things to do. There's more admin in ministry now compared to previous generations. There are, more, there are greater and more complicated pastoral problems and, and needs within our congregations. There are more ministries and organizations than ever before. 
But Matthew, your primary job, your, your primary role in whatever congregation you're serving in is to devote yourself to preaching and to teaching. It's to devote yourself to the Word of God. Now, I know that this is one of your core beliefs as you make your way into ministry, but let me encourage you tonight to have a renewed confidence in the Word. The primary way that God works in our world today is through the preaching and teaching of His Word. You you will have lots of opportunities to do that, Lord willing, over a lifetime of gospel ministry, but at the beginning, remember that to be a good minister, a faithful servant of Christ, will mean that you're devoted to His Word both on a personal level and also in terms of your preaching and teaching. John Stott made another really helpful observation when he pointed out that an evangelical minister who doesn't study the Bible himself will be in midlife midlife a sentimentalist preacher. Don't allow that to happen. Give yourself to studying, searching, plumbing the depths of the scriptures. To be a good minister then, you're to train yourself to be godly, You're to devote yourself to the Word of God. And finally, you're to balance yourself in terms of life and ministry. Just look at how Paul ends this chapter in verses 15 and 16. He says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What Paul says here is, in effect, work really hard in the service of Christ, but don't neglect your own soul. The the work really hard bit comes from what Paul writes in verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. J.B. Phillips puts it in this very helpful way in his translation of the New Testament. He writes, give your whole attention, all your energies to these things. Uh, The diligence Paul calls for echoes the athletic metaphor that he used in verses seven and eight. Timothy is to give all that he has, all his life, to being godly and to communicating the word faithfully. There's no success in ministry apart from hard work. And there's no shortcut that you can take to have success in ministry. Paul is not telling ministers to be workaholics, far from it, but he is reminding us that laziness in gospel ministry is a scandal. Work really hard in the service of Christ, but don't neglect your own soul. Paul wants Timothy to balance himself in life and ministry. Look at verse 16 again. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This pithy verse has been a puzzle for some people throughout church history. Can we save ourselves? Can we save other people? Surely this is outright heresy on Paul's part. Of course it's not. Paul is committed to salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. What what, what he's talking about here is Timothy working out his salvation and persevering to the end. Our our, our perseverance, our, our working out our salvation will be evidence of God's work in us. But persevere in what though? But persevere in watching your life and doctrine closely. Timothy is to keep a close eye on himself in terms of character and his doctrine and teaching. He's to live a a balanced life. He he isn't to be so engaged in teaching others that he neglects his own soul and vice versa. Which mistake is more common? Teaching others or neglecting yourself? 
or neglecting teaching and focusing on yourself. It's probably the first. John Stott, again, he says this. He says, it's fatally easy to become so busy in the Lord's work that we leave no time for the Lord himself, to be so concerned for the welfare of others that we fail to keep a watchful eye on, our, on ourselves. It's fatally easy to become so busy in the Lord's work that we leave no time for the Lord himself. So Matthew, you've got to work really hard in the service of Christ, but in doing so, don't neglect your own soul, but, but balance yourself in life and ministry. Throw yourself into your assistantship, look at it as a once in a lifetime opportunity, gain as much experience as you can, but watch out for spiritual dryness. Look out for the flashing spiritual fuel light and try not to run on empty. Jebby Phillips puts verse 16 like this. Keep a critical eye both upon your own life and on the teaching you give. And if you continue to follow the line I have indicated, you will not only save your own soul, but the souls of your hearers as well. Follow the line I have indicated. Don't go above the line and overwork. Don't go below the line and only care about yourself. Follow the line. Balance yourself in life and ministry. This is a really helpful passage for you, Matthew, and for those of us who are involved in the work of ministry. It's been refreshing for me to think about the things that we've talked about. For, for, for those of you who aren't involved in the work of ministry, for those of you who are family or friends of Matthew, for those of you who are members of Wellington or Ballyclare, that this is a really helpful passage for you for this reason. That this is a passage that you can use to pray for Matthew as he starts his assistantship. Pray that Matthew would develop and grow in these things and that you would see his progress. Pray that he would continue to train himself to be godly, that, that personal godliness and, and knowledge of Christ would mark his life. Pray that he would devote himself to the word of God, that the, that the Lord would help him as he prepares to preach and teach the Bible. And pray that he would balance himself in life and ministry, that he wouldn't teach others and neglect himself and that he wouldn't neglect teaching and, and focus on himself alone. But pray that he would be a good minister of Christ Jesus and that his ministry would be marked by the things mentioned in this part of the Bible. First Timothy 4 is a helpful passage for us all in that, it, in that it has universal application if we know and love the Lord Jesus. There are specific instructions for ministers, but there are general principles for us all here as well. Godliness, becoming more like Christ, really matters, and it will outlast so many of the things we give ourselves to in this world. It's one of the only things that will matter in eternity. If you know and love the Lord Jesus, are you training yourself to be godly? The scriptures have an abiding relevance for us, and ministers have to work hard as they preach and teach, but we all need to know the scriptures. The Bible contains the words of eternal life, are we studying, searching, plumbing the depths of, of the scriptures ourselves? And is there a balance to our service in Jesus' church? Are we so busy in the Lord's work that we've forgotten the Lord himself? Or are we just sitting on the sidelines worrying about ourselves and no one else? And what if you haven't trusted in the Lord Jesus? Well, know that his acceptance of you is not in any way based on your performance. The gospel that Matthew will take to Ballyclare and beyond is that Jesus has lived a perfect life, 
died the death that we deserved and has risen again so that we could have new life in him. The only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. God's acceptance of us isn't based on our performance. It's based on what Jesus has done at the cross. Matthew, tonight you should rest in that truth. God's acceptance of you isn't based on how good a minister you are or how good a minister you'll be in the future. It's based on what Jesus has done for you at the cross. And in light of that, in thankfulness, you should respond by training yourself to be godly, devoting yourself to the word of God, and balancing yourself in life and ministry. We should all rest in what Jesus has done for us, particularly if it's something that we've never done before. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for its abiding relevance to us all. We pray tonight that Matthew would take the lessons of 1 Timothy 4 to heart, that he would train himself to be godly, that he would devote himself to the word of God, and that he would balance himself in life and ministry. But we pray for ourselves too, that you would help us to live lives that are marked by these things as well, that we would realize that our godliness now will have lasting eternal effects, that we would devote ourselves to your word, that we would search the scriptures and walk with Christ, and that you would help us to balance our service of you in Jesus' church as well. Father, we're glad to have been together tonight. We pray that you'd be with us through the rest of our evening, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.